0: This is the John Cast podcast, and I'm happy to say that the John Cast has its first sponsor. I've partnered with Ian's Pizza in Madison to give away a $500 prize to one person who correctly identifies the secret message over the next five weeks. Yes, I'm doing like some some morning show radio old school promotion, but it's on a podcast. All right, so I'll give you the Ian's word or the word combo, and uh, you collect these over the next ten episodes. Forms a $500 message. I think everybody gets this. It's brought to you by Ian's Pizza in Madison, Milwaukee, Denver, and Seattle. But first, let's start the Johncast. What happens when a radio broadcaster gets let go from his sports talk job? Well, he tries to figure out what he wants to do next for a career. And in the meantime, joins the 4 million other podcasts on the internet. And the Johncast is born. Join me each week as I talk to guests I find interesting or entertaining from the world of sports, play-by-play broadcasting, or whatever else sounds fascinating to me at the moment. The John cast is what I'm doing until I figure out what I'm doing. Subscribe, download, and I hope you learn something along the way. Coach Bo Ryan, what you drinking?
1: Oh, well, I'm drinking lots of water right now. Cause we were in, the, we got in the desert here late Sunday night. Um, so I've been trying to stay hydrated. So a lot of water.
0: A lot of water. I've got, I've done this thing where I put protein shakes with my coffee. So it makes like a protein shake mocha. I don't know what I'm doing, but it tastes good. (laughs) So,
1: and that's all, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah. I don't know how, um, into radio you were growing up, but I'm doing this like promotion. It's like a radio promotion, but it's on a podcast. So I got to give the keyword real quick. So, okay. So these are, this is the first keyword over the next 10 episodes. And uh, once you form the message, you can DM me on Twitter at John audius Radio, at John Cast Podcast or on Instagram at JohnCastPodcast. All DM entries from any social platform will be in contention for the final drawing. So today's key word is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I've got nine more word or word combos to give away, but Thanksgiving is your first clue. And also, remember, you do have the option of retweeting Uh, some of these episode links and getting a shot at lunch from Ian's Pizza and they've got the Thanksgiving pizza going on right now just in time for Thanksgiving a lot of people skip over Thanksgiving coach and they go right to Christmas are you a big Thanksgiving guy or are you a big Christmas guy or what do you like to do around the holidays
1: Uh, Thanksgiving because it was always the big rivalry game football game uh, back in my hometown I played high school football and When I was younger, my dad would always take me to the Chester uh, game on on Thanksgiving. It was us, the public school, against the Catholic school, St. James. So Thanksgiving was always a fun time. Family get-together at a meal because of all the different things that I was involved in, and my sister and my dad and mom helping in the community. It was very rare that we ever had the four of us at dinner. So Thanksgiving was everybody's going to be including other relatives. So I've, I've always appreciated Thanksgiving.
0: Me too. I think the meal at Thanksgiving should actually be, I think we should make that meal as a culture more than one time a year. Well, that's not hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we all wait. We all wait for Thanksgiving.
1: (laughs) Well, my my wife finds some turkey somewhere in the stores because we have turkey at other times. But yeah, you're right with all the with all the trimmings. Yeah, it is rare. It, it is. is rare. It, it's once a year.
0: Yeah. Hey, you were recognized at the Badger game this past weekend. What was this last weekend like for you?
1: Uh, whirlwind for one thing. I had no idea what was happening because my wife and everybody Gardo, all those guys kept it from me. So, um. <laughs> Everything happened so fast, I'm still trying to remember. And then uh, trying to remember who to thank. uh, There's so many people to thank for what they were recognizing a single person for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it takes a lot of people uh, to do the things that uh, are represented on that ring that goes around the coal Center. Um, So I just wanted to make sure I thanked everybody that was a part of it.
0: Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, I'm sure you had a good time coming back to Madison. Then,
1: well, I was already in Madison. I had not left for
0: California. Oh, you haven't left yet? yet. Okay, all yeah, right.
1: We do we do six months here and then six months in Madison, and you can you can pretty much guess which six
0: months. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good. I like that. Um, I like that split. You enjoying that split? Six months here, then then six months where it's warmer.
1: Yeah, yeah, it works out great because Wisconsin is beautiful uh May through November I mean it's you know a lot of good golf, a lot of good uh a lot of good weather mm-hmm. um, so yeah i I just having coached a winter sport um I was always indoors, so to be able to be outdoors twelve months a year uh and play golf three four five times a week that was always a goal in retirement uh for me so. I, I'm having a chance to live that dream.
0: That's an awesome goal. I want that goal for myself. I think every, every person who plays golf wants that goal, to just be able to go out and play golf three or four times a week. How, what is that like? Because I, I envy that, Bo. I think that would be the best.
1: Well, it gets you outside for four or five hours. For one thing. I mean, that's first and foremost is you can still compete. Even though it's not tennis, it's not basketball, it's not racquetball. Sports I used to participate in a lot mm-hmm. um, after college. Uh, so, it, you know, it is a sport that you can do for a long time if you're, if you're fortunate enough to stay healthy. Um, you're with guys that, you know, you hang with, so to speak. It's the camaraderie, to the stories, uh, all the uh, needling that we do. Mm-hmm. So it's competitive, it's outdoors, um, and it's, it's a way of finding out a lot about other people, too, especially scrambles or, you know, when you play with people that you don't know that well or don't know them at all. Uh, and you learn a lot about uh, how other people have made a living and how they've carved out their niche. So that's, that's fun, too.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point. You know, you mentioned your favorite uh, holiday or one of the favorite things about Thanksgiving was playing that high school football game. So when you were growing up, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Well, if
1: it was the summer, I was going to play for the Phillies. If it was the fall, I was going to play for the Eagles. And if it was the winter, I was going to play for the Warriors, (laughs) for the Warriors slash 76ers. So I was going to be... I was going to be a professional athlete. Um, but you know what you find out? You might be, uh, pretty good in your neighborhood, Yeah, but you know how many neighborhoods there are <laughs> <laughs>
0: there's a lot so, of neighborhoods
1: and, and it's, it is so hard to get to those levels. But I did know that my love for sports, uh, which developed through my dad taking me to so many different games and events, um, I never realized that that love for sports would end up giving me the opportunity to experience all the things that we did. Um, You know, that's not many people get a chance to have, um, you know, their, their vocation as more or less a vacation.
0: (laughs) Right. So you, so you love the Mark Twain, Mark Twain, I think said that first
1: don't don't quote me quote him
0: okay that's not a (laughs) bow quote that's a mark twain quote so you mentioned the phillies the eagles the warriors who were your sports heroes growing up was there one or two players that you're just like this guy this guy's the best i love this person
1: well i grew up not uh, just a few miles from wilt chamberlain uh and ended up playing on his playground a couple times and he actually played on our playground in chester um, so, but knowing that I'm not seven feet tall, but I, I just, I really thought that what he put up with, uh, my dad taking me to games and watching guys undercut him and, uh, try to hurt him and, and, and how he took everything, you know, he pretty much just kept playing. Um, and he was a tremendous athlete. Uh, so, but as far as position, um I, I think Hal Greer was somebody that I kind of looked at as a, a guy I'd like to play like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his backup was Wally Jones, who had played at Villanova, which was a school that I almost went to. Um, so it's, it, you know, for the basketball part, it was uh, it was those guys, Billy Cunningham, Um, who could flat jump out of the gym. Uh, And then when they moved to San Francisco, of course we were devastated. And then, then we got the Sixers and that turned out okay. A championship in 67, I think it was. Um, So for basketball, those were the guys that I kind of Chet Walker, uh, Actually, Larry Costello mm. played in the in the late '60s for the um, Sixers, and uh, you know probably a few other guys. That uh, Luke Jackson, big, strong, tough guy, yeah. kind of an enforcer. But the people out there listening has probably uh, figured I just named people that aren't real. Cause they never heard of,
0: them. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a lot of those
1: guys. I mean, how oh, would he's they- making up those names people are saying <laughs> to the person next going.
0: <laughs> so like a guy like Will Chamberlain, everybody knows Will Chamberlain. Um, w- 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 so you got to watch them growing up. And then obviously you've been in around big time talent coaching and watching as well. How would guys like all those players you mentioned, including a Wilt Chamberlain, how do you think they would play if you put them in a time machine and you said you get to go play in the NBA right now?
1: Chamberlain would have no problem. Um, You know, he, he couldn't shoot the, he he wasn't a big that could step out, but he didn't need to be. And, and right now he wouldn't need to be Mm. Uh, his skill and talent level uh, on, and his physical Ability uh, would allow him to play today. He, he would do fine. Maybe some of the other guys with the three-point line, uh, but they would probably be in the gym. They were competitors. They figured out ways to win. If you put them in a time machine and move them to now, I guarantee you they'd be in the gym practicing threes.
0: Yeah, right. And, and they would to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing I think sometimes people forget is. Well, if you put them in modern times, they would have a better workout schedule. They would adapt to the game and the way it's played now, and they oh, would they'd better, extend better themselves.
1: Better training uh, methods. Yeah. They would stay healthier. Uh, their bodies, what they would eat. The, the training table meals are different. Um, yeah, no question.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I know you you coached against Steph Curry, but you mentioned three-point shots, and the first person I always think of when I hear the word three-point shots now is is Steph Curry, and when he takes a three, he he, he takes like a before, a <laughs> you know, he takes it from, oh, yeah. from way outside. What do you think when you watch Steph Curry and, and you know, when you coached against Steph um, and then when you we see him where he's at now?
1: Well, um, it's real simple. If you give him room, he's got such a quick release. We we had him on film to do our scouting report where he destroyed Georgetown and uh, Gonzaga, I think was the other team. And then they get us, uh, and it's a one point game at half. And Trevon Hughes, uh, dislocates his big toe. And so he doesn't get a chance to play in the second half. And we just couldn't contain him. We just, uh, I thought, I thought Trevon Hughes did a hell of a job wanting, um, and then we just didn't have him. By the way, Trevon Hughes just took the job at Kettle Moraine High School
0: oh, coaching. Oh, okay, very cool. Do you like to see all your, you know, former players? How much do you keep uh, track of what everybody's doing? Because I mean, there's a lot of players to keep track of.
1: Well, to steal a line from Belichick, I don't. I have no idea how this flat face works.
0: <laughs> what
1: did you did you hear him when he said? He's like like face this. Oh, or, okay, yeah. He called a slap face.
0: Slap face. Okay.
1: So he says, "I don't know how that's. Sla- I'm I'm not on social media. I'm not uh, into <laughs> tweeting or any of that kind of stuff. But guys do stay in touch. Yeah. Um, and it, it is neat. Guys come to town. Just had before we left, had brunch with Bronson Caney. Catch caught up with him a little bit. And you know, guys from Platteville, um, guys from Milwaukee. Every once in a while, we we find a reason to get together. But you know, they're all they're all with children now. And heck, I've been coaching so long; I got players that have grandkids. Um, so I, I like to stay in touch with them. Kelly's on uh, Facebook and all that, so she'll tell me. Like Sam, I guess, tweeted something or said something today. Um, about how he wants to work. He wants to finish his degree and then get a job in the athletic department.
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw that tweet. Okay. That was last night. Oh,
1: oh it was it last night? Okay.
0: Yeah, he said he said that here. I'll pull it up here. Uh, he said that he wants to find a job within athletics department and knock on every powerful door to help fix the seating arrangements and the vibe at the cool center. That's what he said. <laughs> you think he could be successful doing that?
1: Well, everybody thinks they can change the world when they're that age, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with that uh, as long as it's something positive. Um, yeah, you know, for some reason, I don't think the configuration has anything to do with W's and L's, but maybe in his mind, it does.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. There are a lot of W's when you were coaching, and it's configured the same, right? So, a, yeah, yeah, and
1: the players players didn't seem to mind.
0: No. Hey, you know, I was watching the Badger game last night, and I started thinking to myself, okay, as a play-by-play announcer, I'm usually just watching the ball when I'm watching a basketball game. But I'm really curious. It made me start to think, how do you watch a game from your vast, uh, you know, background as a head coach? Are you watching players down low? Are you watching the ball? Are you watching effort? What What do you watch when you watch a basketball game?
1: But well, the ball, the ball you can catch as a flicker. Body position by players and all. You need to scan. Um, so when I, when I was in the service, they gave us this course on night on uh, night vision, and where vision is difficult, how you circle things with it. So when I watch a game, I can pretty much see everything and. You know, some teams stand more than others away from the ball. Um, some guys read and react better. So I'm kind of watching it all, but I don't just fixate on the ball. Too many people do. And and they don't get a true feel for the game.
0: Yeah. Hmm. How much have you watched Wisconsin since you've been gone? And been well, I've all-
1: been to a few practices. Uh, when I do get home in the summer, I see some workouts.
0: Um, what jumps out to you about the Badgers? Pardon me? What kind of jumps out to you about the Badgers and what you've seen of, of the more oh, recent team?
1: They need experience. Okay. And, and, and you can't afford to lose your best slasher yeah. and a guy that can create like Davis and, and lose him and play a team like Providence. Um, that really hurt last night. Uh, so, uh, that was unfortunate. So hopefully he'll be ready for, uh, or uh, Vegas, which is the Maui Classic, which people would say, "Is Coach Ryan been drinking?" It's, it's the Maui Classic. Why are they claim it in Vegas? Well, because of COVID, and uh, so they really moved it to Vegas. So hopefully he'll be ready. Uh, but they need experience. Boy, they need they, they need minutes. Yeah, under their yeah. A lot of those guys.
0: What's the best coaching advice you ever got, and who was it from?
1: Um. Well, my, I I get so much from my dad. Uh, watching him, he he coached youth sports, and I would say had a ninety-five percent winning percentage in in football, basketball, and baseball. His teams just won. Yeah, and they weren't in football. He ran three plays. Um, but he just did them better. His players did them better than the other guys. Um, uh, so keeping it simple and it's, it's not the kiss for to keep it simple, stupid, but, but if if players are inundated with 19 different reads, it's pretty hard <laughs> to, to make all that work. So basically with the swing, when it's done properly, there's a few reads, but the defender has to do one thing or the other. So if he does this, then you do this, and it, and so you keep it pretty simple. So that's pretty good advice. But um, there was a coach who uh, wrongfully, wrongfully complained about us rubbing it in on him, mm. and made some statements that were totally false, false because we have it on security camera from the coal Center. Um, but when I was talking to Jim Calhoun about something else, I brought it up and Calhoun looked at me and said, Hey, remember this, you can only coach one team. You can't coach the other team. And if, if the other team is giving up an easy basket and they've quit on it, you can't worry about it, you know, but, and i it's not that I was worried about it, but it was like he knew something about it. Uh, and sometimes people just have a bad day on a loss, uh, and they say things they'd like to have back. Yeah. Uh, so basically that was it. But his, his advice, advice was, hey, Bo, don't worry about the other 2 Don't worry about what that guy says or doesn't. No, you can only coach one team you hmm. so that's an example
0: yeah that's fantastic that's really cool so when you look at a, a good and a great coach or a good and a great team what do you identify as something that separates good coaches from great coaches and good teams from great teams
1: well I think progress I think if you watch a team and they're getting better during the year then mission accomplished where, where did athletics find a role in college? Okay, you have to think back. Okay, why did universities have sports?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Why did they put it in? Not for the revenue when they first started. <laughs> then they realized you could make some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And they took full advantage. But it was the idea of mind and body. Keep both sharp and you'll have a more well-rounded individual. So, which is basically the the theme behind the Olympics mm-hmm. uh, in Greece a gazillion years ago. Um, so it's teaching. It's if the guys are getting better, you're doing your job. Now, how far they can take it Sometimes you get a mix like our 14-15 mix, 2014, 2015, 2007, 2008. 2007, if Brian Butch doesn't dislocate his elbow, that team was as good as the 2015 team.
0: For sure, yeah.
1: So, um, and the 2005 team, we get down to, what, a four-point game against Carolina mm-hmm. to go to the Final Four. And that, that team wasn't bad. Um, so, but... And that's why the tournament is such a crapshoot sometimes. But when you say what separates, we know who the great coaches are. They don't get all the great players. (laughs) You know, they you you can't say I mean, there are teams that get so many all Americans that basically a bunch of us get in a huddle and say they should have won more.
0: Right. Yeah. Based
1: on what they had, based on the talent that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, they coach their team, we coach ours. And to me, education, which is how I started as a junior high school teacher and took the basketball program was the idea that we can physically get guys in shape, get them to play together, get them to understand teamwork, uh, Give them lasting memories. And so the great coaches are the ones that get the most out of what they have. And that's subjective. People can make their list and say what they think. Uh, but those of us that have been in the profession for a long time, we can, we can tell who the great coaches are. And who the good coaches are. And we know who the the bad coaches are.
0: (laughs) You talk about getting the most out of, you know, kind of what you have. I saw Mike Lucas at UW Badgers uh, had a write-up about you before this past weekend. And you recalled a story about Devin Harris. And in it, you talked about after the second practice, as you were walking off the court, he says, Coach, let me get this straight now. You want us to go as hard as we possibly can on every possession in every drill, and you every said, practice. and you said, yes. Is that is that the most important ingredient? Ingredient rather of a player is to kind of have that type of mentality. Or why was that so important to you? Um, to tell because, that to Devin
1: because if they're giving you that, they're giving you their all. You can't ask for anything else. So then it's up to the coaches when we're putting together our drills, our practices, our how much time we're going to spend on weak side health, how much time we're going to spend on rebounding, how much time we're going to spend on passing. Boom. Then that's our job. If you go hard in every one of these drills that we give you, you can't do anything else. Mm-hmm. So it to me, it just makes sense that, and that was my goal when I played, to be first in every drill. Make more free throws. Make make more shots. Make uh, stop more guys. Have more stops. Uh, see if you can't get three stops in a row. And if you do, the other team has to do twenty crunches. Or competitive. We always made our drills competitive. Um. And we kept points per possession on every trip up and down the floor when we were five on five.
0: And that was one of the most important stats for you as a coach, right? Points. Well, points. I, I brought it here
1: from the East Coast. I I was using it in junior high and high school. I got out here to Wisconsin, and I didn't know anybody that was using points per possession. Now everybody uses. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I thought it was. It's, it's not like it took Einstein to put it together. <laughs> it was, it was when when there was no three point shot. Think about this. If you shot 50%, that was a hell of a shooting percentage. So 50% is, and there's only two pointers, is how many points per possession? One. So anybody that shot 50% or anybody that got one point or more per possession won 90-some percent of their games back then. Well, then the three-point line came in, and it's more like 1.1 now. Okay, But it's a great stat, especially in practice when you're, I mean, people do it their way. Yeah, I'm not criticizing the way other people do it. I just couldn't do it where I'll watch them practice run up and down and there's no idea of a score. There's no idea of, uh, how many points there, how many points they're accountable for. Um, so we just refuse. anybody that's ever coached with me, we just refuse to have empty possessions without tracking productivity.
0: Yeah, and possessions we still have
1: fun. Yeah, I mean, and it's still fun. It's not like you're taking anything away from the players.
0: No. So possessions are very valuable. So that kind of leads me to your subbing philosophy when you were a coach. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, About when to take out a player, when to keep a player in, because, you know, part of the reputation, right, is you got to turnover. And if you're playing for Bo, he's going to take you out.
1: (laughs) No. See, that's what. Is that wrong? You know what? I I used
0: to laugh at that. Okay.
1: No, no. When you do something that looks like you had to have been tired in order to make that decision, (laughs) you just need a little rest. Okay. That's all. Um, no, guys have turned the ball over and not come out of the game.
0: So it's not the same uh, for everyone. But not, no, yeah,
1: I'm, no, I'm fair. I'm, I'm fair to guy. But you make a pass behind your back where you didn't even look and somebody steals it. What, I'm going to leave you in there?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why? You, you're tired. You need a rest. Uh, and did you ever see me on the sideline when a player came out berating in front of people or in front of the other, I would kneel down in, fr- in my squat. I put my hand near my lips so people couldn't. And then I'd mention as to why I didn't think that was a good decision. Okay. But I never publicly in an interview, in a press conference after a game that we lost ever blame a player ever. You can go back through the hundreds of, post-game interviews never never blamed an individual we didn't shoot it well tonight we needed to block out better it was always we Mm -hmm. the coaches who always put it on players it's because they don't want people to think it was a coaching mistake
0: (laughs) just covering their own their own behinds exactly yeah hey i gotta ask you um you know, one of the great moments in, in Badger, it was a ton of great moments, but the one I'm thinking of in particular was Ben Bruss hitting a half court shot against Michigan to force overtime. So that's it. Yeah, that was, that
1: was a, after we told the guys to foul as the guy dribbles and starts to turn the corner. And on film, I just watched this a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Bruzowicz reaches in and fouls. And they didn't call it. And Robinson. Hits the three. I hmm. think it was Robinson. Then um, he hits the three to put him up three, where we still had fouls to give. And then we get the ball out of bounds. Beeline told his guys to foul. <laughs> yeah. And Levert, Levert lets it, Ben catches the ball, and Levert doesn't foul him right away. And Ben gets his shoulders turned, which is a drill that we do at the end of every practice on the road. We have half-court shots. Okay. The spot where Ben Bruss hit that half-court shot from is the area where we shoot. That side and the other side of the court.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) So. what were you going to say about Ben Brush?
0: Well, that so comes in. You, no, that comes in handy. I was going to ask you. So then he makes that shot that you practice after, you know, on the road or whatever at the end of practice, and the place is going crazy, and it's a, it's you know, it's. It, I, I was watching on television. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like an all time great shot. So what do you tell your team as you're going into overtime, and everybody is everyone emotional? I mean, how do you how do you try to calm them down? How do you approach that situation?
1: Well, you give them a little time. Which they got, which you can see on the replay uh, as Ben jumps in the air 15 (laughs) feet into somebody who bumps in, and they all, okay. Then they got to come over and get get down on the stools, and we got to go over, all right, this this is what we need to take away. We still have some fouls to give. Um, And we went over, and then we find out that uh, they had a player to play with five fouls. They did. I
0: think it was Robinson. Yeah, oh, I didn't even know he that.
1: Had, he had fouled out in the overtime. Um
0: but he came back in?
1: I think it was Robinson. No, he stayed in. I mean, he oh. he was on the court. <laughs> uh and there was still time left in the game in overtime. And he had
0: 5 fouls. Uh
1: so we kind of notified the Big 10 afterwards. And, yeah.
0: We just kind of let them cool down and just kind of do their thing after that. Yeah, and then get back to coaching.
1: Don't don't lose the juice, though. Don't you know it's not. But guys, we haven't done anything,
0: right? All we
1: did was we just bought five minutes Mm -hmm. to play well, Uh, and both teams did not shoot it real well. And Ben hit a three, and that's what we won by. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, This next question is from Wisconsin volleyball coach Kelly Sheffield. He wants to know what game haunts you.
1: Well, is Kelly going to tell me that the Purdue game haunts him or what? What's he, <laughs> Kelly's an unbelievable coach. Uh, he is. He's so good. He is. With, with how he teaches, how he runs his practices, I've peeked in and seen him. Um, yeah, you're talking about one of the all-time coaches in the country uh, as far as working with young people mm-hmm. and getting the most out of them. Uh, so anyhow, he wants to know haunt. Yeah. Uh, in high school, uh, if we win, we're going to play Norm Van Leer's team uh, for the high school state championship. And um, I steal a ball and throw it to my teammate and we're going to win the game. And he goes up the tomahawk, the dunk, and the poor young man, uh, I just felt so sorry for him. He hit the back of the rim and so we we went into overtime and lost that that dunk would have won the game. Oh, and we went into overtime and got beat by one. And uh, that was man. the reason I went to Chester High School is I was recruited by all the Catholic schools and private schools in the area. Um, But I wanted to play with all my guys I grew up with on the streets. Uh, you know, in the city. Uh, and so I didn't take any of their offers. And so the, the state championship was my goal from the time my dad, when I was five or six years old, would take me to the state tournament every year. Um, so that's one that you really would like to have back. But, and the, and we had to pick up the poor young man that unfortunately, the Bunny. Yeah.
0: Uh, That's a, but tough- he and
1: I, he and I were the co-captains. So, you know, we had, they had a dinner for us for winning the districts and uh and all that. Jack Ramsey was our speaker. Um, Jack McKinney, Jack McKinney was with them. Also people out there, I don't know if they remember them, but they were high school coaches and they were college coaches and they were pro coaches. Uh and anyhow, they, they came to our banquet and spoke. And, um,
0: anyhow. That's a tough way to lose that's, a game. I'm...
1: That's one that haunts me. Coaching-wise, uh, never, really, never really lost sleep about anything other than how I felt for the players when the Duke game in the second half were the types of fouls. Or change. It was a whole different half. Everybody that's watched it, every coach that I've talked to, they know what I'm talking about.
0: Every fan if, who's if, listening if, if knows you're what you're change, talking
1: about. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to change, you know, I mean, it, you know, after 20 minutes, and then you're going to say, "Okay, uh, Wisconsin only has X number of fouls, and it's, this other team has," you know, it's just. But we we got beat. But you know, what's nice out here in California. What? I got, I got a lot of people when I came out here after retirement. Hey, coach, congratulations on that national championship when you beat Kentucky. <laughs> and and I'd always, I'd always walk away and say to whoever was with me, I didn't have the heart to tell them we played Monday night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great, that's great. That ga- that Duke game, as a fan, you know, I was actually in the building watching that game and. Uh, Coach, I don't know how, I mean, obviously you've been through more pressure situations than me as a broadcaster has been through, but I couldn't even sit down. Like, I'm pacing at Lucas Oil Stadium, and um, every few months from that game until now, like, I'll I'll get reminded about that game through something, I don't know, and I'll just be like, oh, that was it. It was there. Well,
1: here's what I always tell the players. There isn't a game that goes by or an experience while you're playing basketball, that you can't learn something from it. Mm. So what happened in that second half is like a pandemic. It's like all of a sudden th- there's a change. You have to learn how to deal with change. Mm. So we didn't effectively take care of that. But you guys learned something from this and that you got to be ready for anything. And you got to be able to adjust. And it was very hard after all the drills that we did defensively. How am I going to tell my guys, hey, step to the side when Grayson Allen puts his head down or uh, the other guys, Jones. And uh, when they put their heads down and drive to the rim and just run you over. I can't tell my guys to get out of the way. <laughs> you know, you don't change right. how you've done all your defensive drills for so many years. So there's, there's lessons to be learned mm. in, in a win and in in, in, in a loss. No question.
0: Uh, I was looking up facts about Chester, Pennsylvania. Cause I thought we'd probably talk about Chester at some point.
1: Who... Usually as Nigel Hayes says, Coach, you always manage to get Chester into into it. every conversation. <laughs> every conversation, they have a well, whole. I, I gave him the quiz on Martin Luther King Day. Hey guys, where did Martin Luther King get his doctorate? Where did he do his theological work? <laughs> From the back, I hear this. Chester, <laughs> it was Nigel. It sounded like I said Nigel. That's right. How'd you guess? He says, Coach, because everything is Chester.
0: <laughs> uh, they've got a list on the internet of list of notable residents. It's pretty like there's a lot of categories, a lot of people coming from Chester. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, um, who's the most famous person from Chester in your opinion?
1: Well, I know that, uh, William Penn's boat landed in Chester. Okay. Cause there's a, there's a plaque. Well, there was a plaque, and then it was stolen. Oh. Uh, don't know what town, what, who got it, but so they had to do another one that that couldn't be taken. But um, I don't know if they consider him a resident because it wasn't Chester yet. But William Penn did land there hmm. on the. It's on the Delaware River. For those out there that are wondering, it's just outside of Philadelphia. Um, but I. Well, there's Billy White really, Shoes Johnson uh, is from my dad coached him.
0: Oh, really? Uh, but
1: I think he's listed as Marcus Hook. I think he's listed as uh, a little, a little uh, burrow right next to Chester. Mickey Vernon has two batting t- two American League batting titles back in the forties. Fifties, mm-hmm. somewhere back then. Danny Mertz, all the manager of uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates when they had Clemente, Stargell, and those guys. So he won two World Series. Uh Lee Iacocca's first job was in Chester. I did the Ford plant. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but he's not from Chester. Why? What do you have? Who do you have well, down there?
0: Let's see here. From like sports, they've got Lamar Campbell, a Lions defensive back, Tom oh, yeah. Chisholm, Ted Cottrell, Tyreek Evans.
1: Teddy Cattrell was my center in high school.
0: No way. Okay.
1: Not not basketball. I, I was quarterback and he was my center.
0: He, you were the quarterback?
1: Yes. Ooh. Now now here's one for you that you have to think about closely. Okay. I played safety and quarterback and made all conference because I got the most interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So people look at me and go, "Wait a minute, you led the league in interceptions as a quarterback?" Innit? no. No. No, as a safety.
0: <laughs> a two-way player. Yeah. And I'm looking up Chester, Pennsylvania. And you mentioned the Ford uh plant that that shut down the yeah. I mean for for Chester, it's a I was just kind of reading the history about how it was thriving back in the day. And then it's. Slowly... Well, we had a
1: thousand kids. We had a thousand kids coming from four junior highs. You talk about competitive in sports. We had, uh, in 62, cause there's only three years, not four years of high school. We had junior high seven through ninth. Okay. And, um, so it was, uh, it was all the guys that went out for, because basketball at football, we were just killing time until, Basketball season. Basketball, if you weren't there by 4 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, you didn't get a seat. Um, And everywhere we went on the road, everybody wanted to beat us. Uh, We were hated by all the other schools. And you know how you get hated? You win. By by beating them. Yeah. Yeah. So guys before me laid the groundwork. And uh, that was by far the most competitive uh, tryouts of any sport that I was ever involved in or ever seen for, for 15 spots on the boys basketball team. Um, we had 40 guys try out for manager in high school.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Cause we played in a lot of tournaments and traveled a little bit, and, uh, which other teams weren't doing at that time.
0: So Ford, yeah. So Ford closed down in 61. So right around that same time that you're kind of talking yep. about. Yeah. Yep. And then what do you remember about the Chester school protests? I didn't know about this, but, uh, do you know, what I'm talking, the series of demonstrations that occurred from November 63 to April 64. Yeah, I was there. What do you remember was, about that? It was
1: civil rights. It was a civil rights movement. Yeah. And we were a predominantly black high school. Um, and I was called in on several meetings cause I was president of the class. Uh, and yeah, oh, I remember it. There, uh, Bryn Mawr College and Swarthmore College and uh, PMC College. Uh, there was a lot of colleges where the kids were marching through the streets in Chester. Yeah, um, yeah, that was all before the Civil Rights Act in '64.
0: It seems like- was a,
1: I was a junior in '64. I was a senior in '65.
0: Yeah, I was good. I was reading about all that the demonstrations you're talking about. That 50 state troopers came in to, to assist with um, with demonstrations and things like things of that nature too. That must have been a really um, unique time to grow up in Chester.
1: Well, what? Well, yeah. Well, we kind of learned that uh, you know in Chester the way we got along, and uh, it, you know we were blind to what was going on in the south. Uh, Yet, all the factories, Ford, uh, Scott Paper Company, Sinclair Oil Refining Company, Boeing, Westinghouse, they all had plants along the Delaware River. Well, there were jobs. So all these people from Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, all came up to the Chester area because there were jobs. And those were all the guys I went to high school with. Yeah. And, and played ball with,
0: hmm.
1: which which was a blast. Great memories. For sure. Very, very competitive.
0: Uh, final questions for you, Coach. Um, do you have a favorite story about another coach? Like whether that's somebody coaching the Big Ten, uh, like a, a Gene Cady or a Bobby Knight or something. Is there a story that always stood out to you about another former coach that that kind of uh, is one of your favorites?
1: Wow. It would have to, you'd have to hit a nerve on something like it'd have to be some kind of cue to have me go to it. Cause I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I can't think of something that jumps out right now.
0: What was um, it like being around Bobby Knight?
1: Bobby Knight actually took care of me. He okay. really did. He liked, uh, he got me all kinds of stuff from Adidas by making one phone call. He respected Division Three, Division II uh, programs, so he took care of me at Plattsville uh, like I was his son. Uh, and he always, he always, uh, well, okay, here. I'll tell you Coach Knight's story. So our first year, When I was with Bill Cofield, our first year, we beat Indiana at Indiana on a buzzer shot by Bobby Falk. Young man that went to West High School. Hmm. And so at every Final Four, that's our convention, the coach's convention. So Coach Knight was out in front of it. It was in uh, Atlanta, Peachtree. Uh, and he's talking to somebody and I go walking by and we kind of do the, uh, lift the jaw up. Like you're saying, Hey, with, yeah. without saying anything, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to interfere with his conversation. Um, and then he, but he said, Hey, Hey coach, how you doing? Um, I don't know if you remember my name, but all you have to do with conventions like that is say, Hey coach and 900 people turn around. Are <laughs> oh, you talking about me? Yeah. So I just happened to say, uh, you know, hey, are, are any of your assistants here? Uh, are any of your guys around? And he says, Assistants? Are you talking to me about Assistants? <laughs> and I'm like, so I don't cower. I don't like, I just look him in the eye and say, oh, well, I. Uh, he says, my assistants are out on the road recruiting where they belong. And I go, oh, sounds like it's not going too well. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. I, I didn't know what he was going to say. So I said, well, well, one thing led to another. And I said, oh, so I take it they're not doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> if, they have to, if they have to miss the convention. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> so then he kind of, he loosened up, he says, something. so we, we talked for another five, 10 minutes and, but what he did, what he was known for is intimidating somebody yeah. to see how you're going to react. And I just gave it right back to him. And so we were friends forever. Uh, he's struggling right now. Yeah. Sure, yeah.
0: yeah. Well that's that's really cool because he was he's a guy that's like you said very intimidating. In fact, I'm going to be honest with the coach. I, I was a little intimidated of you at times, especially like in a press conference situation or something like that. Um you're talking about moi? Yeah. <laughs> me? Yeah, did you did you ever know that that you were intimidated? No, I was
1: just I was I never ate before a game because okay. my dad my dad always told me that's a hungry lion hunts best. Ooh, and it's actually true. So I checked it out. Okay, when you when you are hungry, your sense of hearing improves, taste, smell, because when animals have to eat, and they have to find prey, and they have all their other senses go up. So, the only reason I might look like like I wanted to get out of there was because I did want to get out of this press conference because <laughs> I was hungry. <laughs> I had meat.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to start doing everything uh, really hungry to see if I perform better at different tasks I need to do, like the next yeah, volleyball like match. I call okay. yeah,
1: four to five hours. Okay, four to five hours. Ask Kelly. Say, uh, hey, when, when is your team meal? Before the match. It's usually four hours.
0: It's four hours. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a so, perfect time.
1: So perfect. I wouldn't eat anything after noon on a game day. And you guys are asking me questions at nine thirty at night <laughs> and I'm my stomach's growling. <laughs> and I wanted to get out of there.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Now it explains everything. I feel so much better now. That's awesome. And I will take that advice. I will do something hungry next time to see if I uh, become more focused Focused in on everything.
1: Yeah, check that. Check that with other coaches too.
0: Okay, I will. Coach Bo Ryan, thank you so much for taking some time and joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, this was fun. I got my tea time coming up here, so I got a scoop.
0: Okay, you get going. Go hit them straight. Thank okay. you. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. It's head coach Bo Ryan on the podcast. Once again, man, this is so fun. Once again, this podcast brought to you by Ian's Pizza, the keyword for today. For this uh, Ian's win $500 uh, promotion we got going on. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Listen to the next episode for the next word or word combo. Once you get all those combos, create the message. DM me on Twitter or on Instagram at John Ideas Radio, at John Cast Podcast on Twitter, and at John Cast Podcast on Instagram. And shout out to Ian's Pizza. It is their 20th anniversary, and for the entire month of November, they've got the steak and fry. That's barbecue sauce and mozzarella base topped with crinkle-cut fries, black and flank steak, and finish off with a zigzag of barbecue. Come on! Come on! That's so delicious. Plus, they got that Thanksgiving slice, which just hits the uh, their menu here this month right now. Mozzarella, mushroom cream, button mushrooms, green beans, turkey, cranberry sauce, stuffing, and French fried green onions. It's delicious. Around every uh, Thanksgiving, if I can, I go out and I get a slice or two of the Thanksgiving pizza from Ian's Pizza, proud sponsor of the JohnCast podcast. Thanks to Bo Ryan and thanks for listening to this episode of the JohnCast.